Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Lunch Therapy. My patient today is Carrie O'Donnell, who's a hilarious writer. He writes for TV shows like Billy on the Street and Heathers, and he's writing for a new show right now called Summer Camp Island. You can also follow his hilarious Twitter account, which is ecarryo, which is E-C-A-R-E-Y-O, um, and he does really funny things on there, like his impression of Sh- Shailene Woodley on Big Little Lies. You got to check it out. But without further ado, here's my session with Carrie O'Donnell. Carrie, how's it going? Good, how are you? Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, so did you just start a job this week yeah i did um i'm writing on a cartoon called summer camp island that's so fun on cartoon network that's amazing yeah i just got it i just started monday it's it's on season three now so okay it's a kind of a nuanced children's show about um with adult some adult humor snuck in um, about a summer camp run by witches (laughs) oh my god yeah now, when you work on an animated show, is it like anything is possible? Like you can pitch anything you want and they can draw it and do yeah, it? Yeah, I'm still kind of like figuring out what how everything goes. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very storyboard artist driven. So mm-hmm. they're sort of like, um, excuse me, they're sort of um, taking what we write in these outlines and like bringing it to life. So it's kind of, they're kind of the, it's, I've never done, this is my first time doing a cartoon. So it's it's like kind of. I'm still getting used to it, but that it's really like cool. So much yeah. fun, though. You yeah, can just like say anything and they'll draw it for you. Yeah, and it, it's a great show. It's, I mean, everyone should watch it. It's, it's like there's like a really great cast, like Whoopi Goldberg's in it. Oh, really? Yeah, Wanda Sykes. I just saw Into the Woods at the Hollywood Bowl, and she was the voice of the giant Whoopi Goldberg. Really? And she wasn't actually physically there. They pre-recorded her stuff, of course. But it was really, she was really funny. I love it. I, I love imagining her in like her dressing room in the View, being like, "Oh yeah, I gotta do this." I just listened to a podcast about Whoopi Goldberg. I think it was um, still processing. Do you ever listen to that podcast no. with Wesley Morris from the New York Times? Oh, but it was like an appreciation of Whoopi Goldberg's oh, career, great. and just like she's had the most phenomenal career. She she really has. She was the one of the biggest stars of the eighties. Yeah. Now she's a, a huge talk show host, you know. But she everywhere in, in between, she she won an Oscar. I think she has an egot. She's an egot. Yeah. And she's, so you're gonna get to work with her. I know. Well, I don't know if I'll ever see her, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah. how, I don't know how they do it with her. With like, but I mean, it's cool. It's a cute show. It's really it's fun. There's like I said, there's like some adult themes, kind of quietly. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about a lot about anxiety for and, and kids dealing with like growing up and that's cool it's cute so i was gonna say about you like what's interesting for me is i i feel a real kinship with you and that i feel like we're both like creatures of the internet who mm-hmm. sort of also then kind of migrated into tv yeah. a little bit but what was your i mean i i've only known you like for a year or two yeah but like how did like where did you start are you from la where- no no i'm from um i'm from outside philly in south jersey okay um i grew up yeah it's like 10 minutes from philly um i lived in new york for five years mm-hmm um yeah i i i kind of i never i knew i wanted to write in some way but i didn't know what because i majored in writing and then i uh i when i graduated i lived with my parents for a year because i graduated during the recession and i was an english major so sure like, yeah that wasn't fun and I, <laughs> okay. I couldn't even get a job at starbucks like it was really it was it was dire um so i lived at home and then i started seeing people were using twitter to be funny and mm-hmm. i was and i i always I didn't ever think I was funny. I just thought like my friends thought I was weird and like, you know, into weird things. So I, I just thought I would try to like write my thoughts and make it funny. And then I, 
I kind of got into that world and then and I should say here for people who don't know your Twitter, like you're really good at Twitter. Oh, and, thank you. And your Twitter handle is E Carry O. Yeah. And that's like E. Well, my first name's Eugene. Oh, really? So it's, it's not that great. It's just Eugene. Oh, I thought yeah. it was like email. Like no, e no, carry. no. Oh. People have been like, are you, is it for the environment? Like eco, <laughs> E Carry, like, are you Carry That's amazing. I would I'm never like, have guessed Eugene. That no, was never. Just yeah. Eugene Carry O'Donnell, but just shortened your, your real first name is eugene yeah i'm the third so it's a family but eugene is like it feels like the name of a nerd like from the, like the oh, 60s for sure. like like in the movie greece his name yeah. is eugene oh it's eugene has a storied history um and i you know it was a tough name to have as a kid did you go by eugene as no a kid? i went by my, my grandfather went by carrie so my dad i'm carrie the third so my dad went by carrie and then i just went by carrie Wait, are you eugene the third or carrie the third eugene carrie on the third there's three people named yeah. Eugene Carey well, O'Donnell. One of them's dead, but there's another one. Yeah. Wow. It's <laughs> a very specific dad, name. My dad and me. Yeah, we were named. My grandfather was named after a priest named Eugene Carey. <laughs> okay. So then they just. That's the E. That explains yeah. a lot. I'm already like, this is a breakthrough. Right? I, mean, I haven't even gotten into the therapy session yet. So, okay. So you, you parlayed your Twitter into a career. I mean, like, when yeah. did it go from just a fun thing to like, oh, I could actually support myself doing um, all this? Well, the first, like, cool thing i got from being on the internet trying to do something it was i did this account called not tilda swinton where oh, yeah, yeah. i pretended to be my friend eli Uden and i pretended to be uh tilda swinton for sure. like a week and not say who we were and uh it kind of people caught wind of it and it got it got like pretty big for like a week and it was like 2012 so things were sweeter than on twitter um <laughs> but yeah, we did it for a week, and then we like said it was us, and everyone was like, "Who the fuck are these people?" And then, and then, and then like, we got in touch with someone who introduced us to his manager, and then we started writing scripts together, and then we we came out here for like generals in 2013, and I was like 23, and he was 22, and we were like, "Oh my god, we're gonna get jobs!" And like, obviously, you know, like generals. <laughs> yeah. Oh are, god, it's the worst. I didn't, we didn't really get that at right. that point. So then, nothing really came of it, but. Um, but yeah, Twitter, I mean, I, I got like, I worked at, I hopped around like media, different media places in New York for like, I worked at paper magazine. Mm -hmm. I worked at Yahoo for a year, which was strange. Um, I worked at logo. Um, I just, I was doing anything to write and like pay rent. What's Um, so great about your social media is that, um, and by the way, that the beginning of that sentence is sort of like (laughs) so great about your social media. Um, but is like, it's so authentically, like, I feel like I know you, even though I've met you now, but like, there's something very pure about the way you express yourself. Thank you. Um, uh, but That's this nice. is all to say that, um, we need to now, I've got to turn this conversation. I'm going to turn the steering wheel a little bit towards food Okay. because you are not a food like no. personality. You're not like known for your food or cooking, but no, so, but, and I've had your food and it's amazing. Oh, thank so. you. That's why I asked yeah. that question. No, um, no, but I, what I was going to say is like when I started this podcast, one of the things that was really important to me is I didn't want to just have food people on. Like, right. I want to have people just like funny people, creative people, uh-huh. artistic, just to then talk about what the, the relationship of food food in their lives yeah um so before we get to your therapy session i did want to ask you like does food have a role in your life yeah i mean i'm kind of like a garbage disposal like (laughs) i I don't really have like i'm not i mean when i was when i was a baby my parents told me i was a picky eater but Uh i'm now like i love i'll eat whatever you put in front of me so i'm not like i'm not i don't discriminate but you're not when you say you're a garbage disposal you don't mean that you literally will like eat trash no no no, no. (laughs) yeah I, i eat i go i find something on the street no i'm just uh i i'll 
I like anything that anyone makes. I just love, I mean, I love food. I'm not like a foodie, but I, I love to eat mm-hmm. and I love carbs. Oh, and me too. I love, yeah. Yeah. I love, I, I like trying everything and I'm pretty, not advent. I mean, I guess I'm kind of adventurous. Like I'll, but yeah, I like food. I just, it's not, <laughs> I'm not like, it's, it's not like a big thing in my life. Yeah. I just, I just do it. I mean, it's interesting because we're both friends with Ryan O'Connell. Right. And Ryan, who was our first guest on Lunch Therapy, like is very passionate about restaurants and like he going is. out to eat. And I'm sort of the other end of the spectrum where I'm You're really passionate body. about like cooking at yeah. home and stuff. Um, but Ryan's like a total restaurant fanatic but in your in the in those two extremes i mean are you interested in either end do you like to cook do you like to go oh, out to eat or do you i'm not a, i can't cook for my life okay um i usually will get like whole foods or grubhub okay or like trader joe's and sure. just a salad bar is my my thing like i like really like a hot bar like i'm not i'm um yeah i'm not a i i've never been i, I took cooking classes when i was a kid but mm-hmm. i never I've never been into food, like making food. Um, Wait, how old were you when you took cooking classes? I, my mom signed me up for like a bunch of us and a bunch of boys in my class went to this really cool woman who was the grandmother of like one of our family friends growing up. And mm. she just had a cool house and she loved to cook. So she taught like elementary school kids how to cook. Oh, um, all of she, whom are gay now. <laughs> yeah, they're all gay. No, but she, um, I mean, she ended up basically just cooking everything for us. But like we just, you know, she taught us the process. Uh huh. So did you like it? Do you remember liking it? I liked it more for the social thing, and I liked her house, and right. she was cool to like watch. So it was mm-hmm. fun. She I think my mom did the same thing. I think she dropped me after school at the Y, and there was a cooking class. But I nice. think I was very young, so I don't fully remember it. I think I made pretzels though. Oh wow! Yeah. I mean, we had like home ec right um, in middle school, and again, I was more. My teacher was like this iconic middle-aged woman who was also a grandmother and she wore like wedge heels and like you know she was just very like elegant and she uh-huh. was just kind of like very gay icon oh, right, right. so i was more into like watching her and being like oh she's cool you know, I, I couldn't do any of that stuff it's funny because for me like i've always been infatuated with um strong female characters For sure but i think like part of the reason i got interested in cooking is that at the time like the food network just had a ton, ton of strong female characters yeah, on it who are your favorites well barefoot contessa of course Ina garten yeah. was my absolute favorite yeah and then on pbs there's lydia bastianich who's like everyone's great, uh, beloved italian grandmother uh-huh. so she's a strong character right. but at the time there was this woman sarah moulton who was on the food network okay. now she has a pbs show you probably maybe you're younger than me uh but she was she was like sort of like the florence henderson like the brady bunch mom oh, i love that and she would and so i just love i was addicted to yeah. these characters yeah ina garten i i i like watching ina like i say i'm not a foodie but i do like i appreciate more of the persona than mm-hmm. like what she's actually cooking oh my god i mean and um, what's so interesting about ina is that at the beginning of her show, it was unintentionally like a window into her world. Yeah. And she would have to be surrounded by gay men and her husband would always go away on vacation and like, yeah, like was, what's going on? What's going on with Jeffrey? And now yeah. they, they've sort of like cut all of that away and now it's just her cooking and it's yeah. sort of not as fun. I think she kind of caught, got wise to the fact that people were like, I know. Yeah. Like, What's happening? Yeah, right? we want to yeah. know more about your life. I want to know about Jeffrey. Like, and I, I love, I used to just love being like, Jeffrey's coming. I have to. Jeffrey's coming soon. Like I have, you know, she always, Jeffrey's getting she, ready. She, she was always like, Jeffrey's on his way from the ham, you know, from the city, and he's in New York and like has a roommate, right? Or like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. He te- have- I think he's at Harvard. I think he teaches or Yale. He teaches. Oh, it was funny when I worked at the Food Network. So I had a year where I had a web show on the Food Network oh, website, cool. and um, 
and I had to come up with videos that would go viral, none of which did, That's but that was cool. my job. But I created one that we never shot for a drag Ina, and I wrote a song called When Jeffrey Goes Away. And that so it's so funny. And so it was sort of like she's in bed with Jeffrey, and then like he leaves, and then like all these drag queens come out, and like the oh disco God. ball comes down. It never, it never happened. That's great. You know, it's funny. Actually, the first <laughs> website that asked me to write for something for them was this site called food network humor. Oh, I remember that site. Yeah. And they asked me to write like something about Ina Garten and Giada and uh-huh. Sandra Lee, I think. Okay. And I, I wrote like this, like an episode of like a lost episode where they all converge and then like, <laughs> Ina, there, there's some like cannibalism going on and, <laughs> oh my demon God. And, wow. and people were, some people liked it and I got like, tr- like people were up in arms about it. Oh like, and God. they were like, this isn't funny. Like some people are going to think this is funny, but it's not. And it was like the first taste of like <laughs> the internet. internet. And I was yeah. like, Oh my God. And I, you know, it was so, that was like, that's actually, that's funny. That was like the first humor piece I wrote on the internet. That's amazing. But it wasn't, I, it wasn't really about the food. It was about like the characters. Yeah. Um, well, Carrie, I think the time has come. I mean, mm. we've done a good preamble here, but yes. what did you have for lunch today? I had a, Honey barbecue sriracha sandwich, chicken sandwich from Starbucks. Okay, wow. Okay, yeah. there's lots to unpack there. Uh-huh. Honey barbecue chicken sandwich from Starbucks. Sriracha. Sriracha. Uh-huh. And now, ciabatta bread. And I should say, as Carrie's telling me this, like, the, there's a look on your face of, like, wicked, like, delight. Yeah. That, like, it's I'm, like, waiting to see how Yeah, what does he think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay, I mean. It's a stunt. No. <laughs> but, um, no, it's actually, it's, it's. That's actually very me. Mm-hmm. I eat Starbucks actually a lot. So let's let's hear more about that. So that, do you go to Starbucks? How many days a week would you say? Every day. Every day. Every morning. Is it the same Starbucks? Uh-huh. We don't want to give away your location in case no, that, I that to, woman that you angered, um, no. or man, that you I, angered. I go to the one on the drive-through on High on Highland and Willoughby in Hollywood. You go through the drive-through. Uh-huh. Do you eat the sandwich in your car? Uh, sometimes. Okay. If I'm on the go, um, I haven't been eating it lately. The last two months, I've been taking a break from eating Starbucks, mm-hmm. but I used to eat it probably every other day. Now you're now you're looking at me as if like I would be horrified at the idea of eating at Starbucks every day. But I actually spent a summer at Oxford wow. when I was in college. They had like a, a summer program that I just signed up for, and Sheep. I went to. Yeah, and the food at Oxford. Oh, by the way, you don't even have to be very smart to get into it. It was just like a, an affiliate program through okay. my college. But I just still, still sounds great. Yeah, I did study yeah. Shakespeare, so oh, come, I mean, well, yeah, okay. But while I was there, the food and the mess hall or whatever they called it in England uh, was so disgusting and just so repulsive that there was a Starbucks next door. So for every meal, I would just your refuge. I would just go to the Starbucks and eat an egg salad sandwich. So what, what are Star? I don't because I I actually studied abroad in London. Oh, you did um, for oh, a semester. Wow, look at us. Yeah, but I didn't. I don't remember what the Starbucks were like. I remember the McDonald's were nicer in London, but I don't remember what the Starbucks were like. It was just like a Starbucks, yeah. you know, but I was so grateful that there was just like a, a normal looking sandwich. Uh-huh. Um, so, you know, I'm, I am not judgmental. Also no, as a therapist, I'm, like I shouldn't be judgmental. Yeah, you're, you're unbiased. But maybe the fact that I'm saying I shouldn't be judgmental implies that I am being judgmental and that I'm stopping myself from being judgmental. Maybe so. Yeah, maybe. Okay. So the Starbucks of it all, already like the idea that's coming to my head is that it's almost like, like a robotic, like it's just like a simple like thing. It's like I need to put food in my body. Starbucks yeah. makes food. I'm going to put it into my body. Yeah, that's. I mean, what, like I said earlier, like I'm not. I guess I real. I, I don't know. I guess part of my relationship with food is that I'm not eating to enjoy it. Tell me more. In a lot of ways, like I do. Like if I'm out for a restaurant, or like if I like 
like you had a dinner party once here that was really cool and like you like if if someone i know is preparing it i'm mm-hmm. into it right but sometimes a lot of the time i'm just it's like gotta get this in gotta get it over with back on the go you know what i mean like i'm i'm like i'm very busy well, Which, I, and a lot of times I'm yeah. not busy. No, I know. I'm I guess that, like, I'm like, I'm busy. You know, <laughs> I, I've actually talked about that on a, another podcast with somebody else, but about like, I've met a lot of writers before and creative people where it is just that it's like food is fuel. I got to get through yeah. my day. And so that's like a real legitimate point of view. You know, it's not like there's anything wrong with not, no, but not it's, valuing food. I, I would like, I eat really fast too. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, sometimes like when my boyfriend and I will go out to dinner, like he'll, he's, he likes to enjoy the food and like, mm-hmm. he's very, and I'm like, I like Hoover it. Yeah. Or, my like, dad does that. Or like we get like Grubhub and I'm like, I'm done <laughs> in like five minutes. I have a certain friend. I'm not gonna say his name. I have a friend who not only eats really fast, he eats in a way that like you blink and you miss it. Yeah. Like, like I'll be eating with him and I'll like look back and like all the food is gone and I didn't even notice him imbibing it. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like that's just like, a certain people eat quickly. Yeah. I was a swimmer too. So oh, okay. I, I, I swam till I was a junior in college. So I, I think I just trained myself to like, cause when you're a swimmer, you just, you're eating. Mm-hmm. Usually you're like eating something quick before swim practice or like you're after swim practice and you're starving and you're just like shoveling food in your mouth. Your metabolism is going so fast too. Do you still swim? Um, yeah, some, like I have, I go to the gym pool and and do laps sometimes, but not like, like what I was doing, but Mm -hmm. I don't have the metabolism that I used to have. (laughs) Yeah, neither do I. Um, yeah, I, I guess I'm still in that mindset where I'm like eating, eating for fuel Mm -hmm. and it's, it's less about the, the process of like preparing food or like really being thoughtful. I'm just like putting in what looks good and smells good in the moment. And then just like, I don't know. It's very, I'm kind of boring that way. No, I think it's fascinating. I'm yeah. actually really interested in all this. Yeah. I, I want to I get like, I want to unpack it a little like, cause first of all, you're, um, you mentioned having a boyfriend uh-huh. and I've met Simon yeah. and he's a really nice guy. Yeah. And I'm curious, is he also the same way about food? No, he was actually a, a like a chef. Like he. Oh, I forgot about that. He's yeah. an artist now, but can we say his name? Simon Haas. Yeah, yeah. he's an amazing he's artist. A really talented artist. Yeah, you guys should follow him on Instagram. And, I think he's brilliant. Yes. Um, but he was a he he was a sous chef for a while. Mm-hmm. He started b- cooking in high school as like a job, and then he to support himself here when he was just starting out as an artist. He worked at a uh, a restaurant on the east side, and he. Yeah, he was like that was his job. He he thought for a while I think that he was going to be a chef mm-hmm. and like got really into it and he's an amazing cook. Okay. He can still like whip up like he makes the best soup I've ever had. Oh, so this is nice. So yeah. so okay, so it's not all Starbucks in your day. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. But he but he's very busy with his work, so like he doesn't right. always have the energy to make so like he doesn't cook that much. Right. When he does, it's like I'm like, yes. And I and I and he's let me help him like okay. an, like an apprentice in the kitchen, but mm-hmm. He's also like, he doesn't do it. It's like a rare for him to cook because he's so busy and like tired. And what um, is he? What, what was in the soup that you said was the best soup you've ever had? Oh, it was like he put like a broth, like a Parmesan broth. Oh yeah, because you could save the rinds. Yeah, from Parmesan cheese. The, it was the rinds. Yeah, yeah. Put in, and oh, was, that's smart. It was. So, I should cook for him. He'll appreciate. Yeah. it. Not that you didn't appreciate. No, it, we but. we have we've been talking about. Doing oh yeah, that. yeah. We have to, to do that. Yeah. Um, but he, but yeah, he doesn't do it that much, but. When he does, it's it's amazing. But yeah, I'm not. I don't have that. He just has an ability. Yeah. He can work a knife really well. Mm-hmm. 
like probably like you do like he just has that in him and i don't have that i'm not great at it but i'm okay with it yeah. i got better as time went on but i was gonna say like so in your courtship early in the relationship was there because i feel like eating in a new relationship yeah. is a big deal it's right. like where are we gonna go to dinner Who's uh-huh. gonna, am i gonna cook for him is he gonna cook for me so what were the early stages of your relationship like food wise did you go to restaurants yeah restaurants takeout. um it was pretty chill it was like it wasn't like like we went to some nice places but it was mostly like grabbing food or mm-hmm. getting you know some in and outs here and there but were you were you eating slowly in front of him or are you still hoovering food into your mouth and sort of just i think i always felt pretty comfortable being myself around him so i, I kind of like i think i just like ate that way always in front okay. of him i don't think because no, there was no pretending to be a demure no uh, like delicately like cutting no. the fish and i i yeah i'm like i don't know i'm not and i get it so i feel like some people like when they're trying when they're with new people they're kind of like hmm, like a little unsure about like eating how they're supposed to like because it's like there's etiquette and stuff and like mm-hmm. i guess i'm not really maybe i should be more but i'm self-aware in that way like i'm just kind of like Right. But, I mean, there are times where I'm like, I'm unsure about if I should go eat that or like, if mm-hmm. you know, but I'm or like if I'm about to talk to someone, don't eat something that's going to like make your breath, you know, what I mean? oh, yeah, but, yeah. Like, but mostly I'm like, I'll just I don't really care. You don't care. But I also think like in a new relationship, like restaurants and food become like a way of negotiating power uh-huh. because it's like, where do you want to go eat? Who's I don't pay for it. Yeah. Who's going to pay? But also like what restaurant you're going to go to? Yeah. Like how are you going to order? Are we going to do shared plates? Are we uh-huh. gonna get my own? I'm actually going to get my own thing, you know, mm-hmm. like but it sounds like you guys. I mean, I've been with you both at dinner. You're both super easygoing. Yeah. So I can't imagine a lot of drama. No, there was I mean, he was. And he's from here, so he like he was born in LA and mm-hmm. he grew up in Austin, but he's basically like a native Angelino and he so he knows like way more. So that was a lot of our relationship in the beginning was him taking me to places that I thought that he thought were cool that he wanted me to see. Like we our first real date we went to the real inn. Oh, uh, on the by PCH. The beach. Yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. So that that was like and that's I'm from my mom's from Boston, so I love seafood. Uh-huh. I love seafood. We got to go into this, like your whole childhood seafood and all that. So your mom's from Boston. My dad is from where I grew up. in Philly. Yeah, outside Philly. So and, what was it like growing up in your house? What, was there home-cooked food? Yeah, every, my mom was... My mom's a really good... She's a good cook. She's like... She knows how to make something taste good. She knows comfort food, bulk food, like, because me and my sister are both swimmers. So she just knows how to whip up, like... A quick great meal mm-hmm. um, what are some examples her okay my favorite meal that my mom made was she made these barbecue chicken sandwiches on potato bread Whoa, this was, is what you got from starbucks today yeah. oh, but it was she would put them on potato bread and like a salad with like balsamic or italian dress and just like it was super easy but wait the salad was on the bread too or was it she would on, put the it side? on the like a side plate and that was just for me, that's like quintessential, like my mom, just homemade barbecue chicken sandwiches. And actually, the way you described it, though, it does sound like a little bit like a Starbucks meal. I don't know why. Just the visual yeah. of the little salad on the side and then was, the potato. She, re- you know, yeah. she got the veggies in. Yeah. She, she, so there was like a, a mixed vegetable thing going on. But mostly it was because it, a lot of it was like we would just be eating right before swimming. Oh, so is your mom eat. the Starbucks mermaid? She is. <laughs> okay. Yeah, she's she is the long haired 
siren. Oh um, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, not, she, it's not a mermaid. It's a siren. No, right? it's a it's a, a sea siren. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I'm just saying because this is all tying together in a weird way. Yeah. Like Starbucks, the mermaid swimming, barbecue sandwich. But we had a all our food was home cooked, and she. I mean, she was always like that. She does this great casserole that is like also a quintessential Dorothy O'Donnell meal for in my head is like, it's, it's like a casserole with, uh, turkey sausage, mm-hmm. like, or I forget what it, but it's like mixed in and it's all like, there's like veggies, there's cucumber, there's, uh, cucumber in the casserole uh-huh, like, wow. or, or zucchini. zucchini. Sorry. Zucchini. Yeah, yeah, zucchini. Yeah, you don't want to cook a cucumber. Yeah. Yeah. Not yeah. cucumber, zucchini. Sorry. This is where my, <laughs> I don't want to shame this you. This is why I need you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this like, Amazing cooked zucchini, tomato, pepper. Mm. Oh, it's so good. And so wait, just, is she Irish? Yeah. Okay. Because I was, I was going to say, because that sounds kind of Italian, but O'Donnell yeah. is Irish, right? Yeah, I mean, we didn't, we ate like corned beef sandwiches on St. Patrick's Day, but we, we, I mean, the Irish, I don't think there's much Irish food. Variety in Irish food? Porridge? Did you have a lot of porridge? No. Up? No? Okay. <laughs> no. I mean, she made good, you know, there's always like on Sundays, she always had like soup going. Mm-hmm. Like she was always cooking something and, you know, providing. Well, you're my second guest who had a mother who cooked a lot, who then in in his life, this was Nick Dodani was the second guest on okay. the show. And he, um, but he doesn't cook in his own life, similar to you. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I, asked him a lot about like does he wish to learn like his mother's recipes does he want his mom to pass them i mean do you do you ever want to go to your mom and be like hey teach me how to make that yeah casserole or actually no i mean <laughs> i mean maybe there's something to the fact that i mean maybe it's it sounds bratty but maybe there's something to the fact that like my mom i just was like had fortunately my mom just did that for me mm-hmm. so like i never really had to worry about it so i just kind of maybe there's like Maybe I wish maybe she had, I don't know. Sometimes I wish my mom, because I hear people who were way more independent than I was when they were kids Mm -hmm. about like cooking for themselves or learning how to make food for themselves. And my mom like packed my lunch. Like she did really, she was very, did everything for me and my sister, which Uh is great. But also there's some disadvantages to that because we sort of become like accustomed to that. Now you go to a Starbucks and you want them to pack your lunch for you. So maybe that's like part of it is that I, I wasn't as... I was kind of codependent or not codependent, but I was, I was spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah, mean, a little bit. Fine. Yeah, I mean, I, mean yeah. I was spoiled different ways, but yeah, I mean, I think I in that. that way, like she always, she got up with us before swimming. Mm-hmm. Like we had early, sometimes we'd have swimming at, we had practices at like 4am before school. Mm-hmm. My mom would get up and make us breakfast. What would she make? Like toast or waffles or like just, just carbs and then go back to bed. Like she was always up with us. My dad, didn't cook because he was the bit, he was always at work or traveling, mm-hmm. but he knows how to cook. He can make like good pizza, homemade pizza. He makes good soup. He's oh, more nice. of like his food is very bachelor, like okay. bachelor pad. Are your parents still together? Yeah. Or? Okay. Yeah, they've been married for like thirty-seven years. And so. do they live in Florida now? They do. They live in Miami now. We talk. Yeah, because you're from. Yeah, my parents live in Florida. Yeah. Are they okay for this hurricane that's about to come? I think it's gonna miss Florida. Yeah. So I think it's, I was just telling my brother who has two young kids to drive to Atlanta. I was yeah. like, you need to get out of there. And now it's like, oh, it's gonna hit Atlanta. Yeah. Well, I actually I was in I was visiting two years ago in Miami around this time, mm-hmm. and I flew in, and then a day later we had to evacuate because of Hurricane Irma. Oh my gosh. And we had to go to Atlanta. Which wow. Was crazy. But anyway, yeah, I think they were gonna be fine. 
And so now, now that your parents are in Florida, does your mom cook with like Florida citrus? Does she like make a uh, shrimp cocktail? I don't know, a, a conch chowder or is she still making the, cla- <laughs> the classics from your childhood? Yeah. Cock chowder. <laughs> conch chowder. Um, oh, conch chowder. Not cock chowder. Oh my God. What are you? Cock what, chowder. Yeah, does your mom that, make a good cock chowder? No. Oh my God. Um, no, she's, I mean, she makes seafood. She'll make like good shrimp stuff, like shrimp scampi. Nice. My grand, my grampy made. He was from Boston. Her right. dad, and he made the best shrimp scampi. Okay. So my mom has a little bit of her New England in her. Um, but yeah, she, I mean, she's just making the same food she made before. And does your sister cook? Uh huh. She's or, great. Okay. She's a really good cook, and she has a baby now, so she's doing like baby duty and cooking for her and her husband. And I ask this question sometimes because I think it's interesting, but you know. Um, just in terms of gender, because it's like it's also with Nick, it's like his mom cooked a lot, his dad didn't cook, his sister cooks, but he doesn't cook. Uh-huh. And do you think like in your family too that like your sister taking on the mantle of cooking was a gendered thing, or do you think it's just totally a coincidence? Or I mean, I think my sister, she was never like she didn't cook for herself in high school. Okay. Like she, I think she got really into like healthy eating at the end of college. Mm-hmm. She's very like. She's a total like health, like she eats like all healthy food. She, you know, she's very into working out. Like she's very like, gotcha. So she does like, she's a very like Pilates person. Mm-hmm. So she eats, I would say fairly like holistically, not like she's not vegan or anything, but she doesn't eat that much meat. And she's very like, like at Thanksgiving, a lot of in the years past, like she's had her own plate of like what she's picked out as healthy and like, oh, so she's from the, the yeah. family's offerings she uh-huh. picks what she wants and i think she just learned she and like she makes like great like yummy like bulk food too because mm-hmm. so but i think she just taught i think she just i don't even think i don't even know if it's gender i think she just like was like i want to cook what i want to eat so mm-hmm. i have to learn how to do it myself and she was way more sufficient that way than i was well i guess the gender thing for me is more just about like noticing like in a lot of these families yeah. like, where the dad doesn't cook uh-huh. the son doesn't cook and then whether the mom cooks the daughter cooks. I mean, yeah, yeah I, just, I mean i think it's my family's fairly traditional right. in that way so i think maybe there is something to like the role um we also find it interesting as a gay man because i really wanted to cook growing up but, yeah. I, but it wasn't sort of something that like was encouraged besides the fact that my mom took me to the wide were you discouraged class. from it no but it just was it just wasn't really a possible it just didn't feel like something that they would have been thrilled with yeah um so i don't know I just i think i always just find that part of everything kind of fascinating in yeah terms of where we're steered in terms of our genders and our identities and i do think there's it's it's common for gay men to know how to cook yeah like, well, I, or not not common but there are there's a large amount of i know a large amount of gay men who are good at cooking well like, as we were talking about earlier the the food network stars who like i would watch like they were all sort of like surrogate mothers during yeah the time that i came out to my family oh. so sort of like had like a bumpy coming out and so i just turned you to did? the food network yeah and i was what just, was that can i ask how that was oh uh, it was just you know my i did too yeah my parents were they just didn't have a good reaction yeah and um and so it took me you know, a long time to kind of, you know, they came full circle eventually. Same with mine. Yeah. yeah. But, but it's so fascinating because I didn't cook at all. I came out and then I was living by myself, miserable. I was in law school, which was a huge detour in my what? life. Yeah. I went to law school and I didn't I, know those. Yeah. I was like lonely, sad, depressed in law school. And I turned on the food network and it was just like, like a holy, like white light emanated wow. from the screen. And that's how all the cooking began was then it was in that moment in my life. I, w- I was not a cook before that or interested. You always in wanted to be. Well, 
I think or you always it, had a kind of a burn. I associate it more with like self nourishment. Like yeah. I think I needed to nourish myself in that period of my life. So I started to. I just remember what it felt like the first time I went into the kitchen in that period uh-huh. and like made like a tomato sauce Ooh. from scratch. Yeah, just, it's like empowering. And then just like to put it, but to, to like taste it and to feel like com- I created com- and comforted too. Yeah. It was very soothing. So that was like a meditative. It's like. With you, it's maybe a little more meditative. But it was also like, like self, process. like taking care of myself is yeah. what it felt like, you know? And then I think it actually kind of helped me transition into my adult life because it was like, oh, I know how to take care of myself now and I'm yeah. able to like go out into the world. Well, I, it's it's funny because with my boyfriend, because he works, he does a lot of his artist process mm-hmm. and like um, kind of meticulous re- repetition and mm-hmm. very like, like he does beating and like he's really into the he gets joy out of like the process that would probably drive me crazy or like a lot of other people crazy. And it's He's, like self soothing. Yeah. And yeah. I think, so I think with cooking, it's, I think it's more for him about the process of it. Yeah. And totally. he loves like, I mean, I think he likes to cook for people, but I think it's more about like, he gets something meditative from like doing this and in this increment. Totally. This, and I'm, I'm just not geared that way. So that's but what, what do you have something like that in your life? Um, I don't know. I mean, you talked about swimming earlier. I mean, I love, yeah, exercise. Mm-hmm. And I mean, swimming, running, being, you know, cardio. Mm-hmm. Like, I love, I love that. I love um, cleaning. Like, really? I like to Do clean. Do you want to clean our place? Because sure. we, we can use some I don't help. think we need that much. No, that's it's true. Good. Yeah, we just picked up. A but yeah. very orderly place. Oh, um, thank you. No, I love, um, I'm not like that crazy of a cream, but I keep it, you know, I, I probably wash my floors like a couple times a week. Really? Like, I would. Um, I love that smell. Mm-hmm. I love scrubbing down my kitchen or my, uh, I have my own bathroom. So I love like cleaning around the sink. I are love you, are you, my t- um, like OCD at all about cleanliness? I have, a, I mean, I do have OCD, so yeah. I'm, it's, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm pretty OCD about security. Mm-hmm. I, I check locks a lot. Um, I relock things. Is there any connection between OCD and wanting to eat at Starbucks? Yeah, probably. Because it's like you know exactly what it's going to be. There's I no- think maybe that's part of what my... Because I say I just eat for food, but I think there's also something deeper than that. That mm-hmm. it's. I think it is like I know what I'm going to get. Yes, I totally I understand that. Maybe a little bit of a creature of habit. Like I do when I go to like a... Japanese restaurant, mm-hmm. I get the same thing every single time. What do you get? I get tempura. Okay. I love There's nothing bad about no, that. No, <laughs> but it's like I don't get su- like if I go to a sushi place, I don't get sushi really. I, I'll, yeah. like, I'll eat it from other people, but I, I get edamame soup yes. or a salad with ginger dressing yes. and tempura. You're a lot like my dad. My dad likes Caesar salad, Love Caesar steak, salad. Um, and like cream spinach and then like, like a chocolate cake or something for just, but it's like if you go, to, if we take him to any restaurant that doesn't have those things on the menu, he's like he'll always say this place is weird. This yeah. is a weird, you know. And it's like, but for him, it's like I mean, I don't think you would say this place is weird, but it's more like he just needs the the, the certainty, the, the certainty of knowing exactly what he, what's going to be on the menu and what he's going to get. I mean, if I'm at like a restaurant like that's uh, like from a region that I'm not familiar with or mm-hmm. something like a you know, I'm I'll try whatever right. like, is on. But like if I go to like a you know, like Connie and Ted's, yeah. you know, that seafood place. I'm sure. like, I know what I'm going to get. Wait, so I'm having trouble now, like reconciling those two things though, because 
Because it seems like to be able to come to a dinner party or something and be open to it feels yeah. like that runs against the OCD tendency to want to be in control of what you're going to eat. So do those? How do those two things coexist in you? I think it's a yeah. They are they do conflict, but I think it's more like when I'm alone, mm-hmm. I have control. But when I'm but I'm 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 both okay relinquishing control mm-hmm. if I'm like at like a dinner party or if I'm at a restaurant and like with like a group and like there's going to be shared food and stuff but then when i'm alone i it's like i seize the opportunity to right do what i what's good for me your preference is to be in control of your food but for the sake of conviviality and yeah. other people you can open yourself up and maybe you. there's some people pleasing in there yeah sure yeah but so is it, when you came over to my place for dinner did you have any anxiety about what i might be serving oh but could there be something that somebody would present to you that you'd be like it would be difficult for you to eat or it could be, truly be anything. I I don't think so. I know it sounds, maybe I sound, it's contradictory, but I, I truly like, like if you're cooking for me, mm-hmm. I'm like, great. Right. Cause it's one, I don't have to do it. And mm-hmm. two, I'm grateful that you're cooking for me and mm-hmm. it's, it's really nice. And I'm, so I'm into the, like, I like the idea of someone being like, I want to cook for people. And I'm, and I'm like, wow, I'm really grateful that he's cooking for me mm-hmm. or she's cooking for me. So I'm right. I, I, I get like a, I get a thrill from knowing that they're putting their effort into it. Which is like, a little bit like your mom doing that for you growing up. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. So I get that. Like I love, I, I really appreciate it. So I, I, I'm, so whatever they they give me, I'm like, I love it. So it sounds I know like, that sounds like cheesy, but no, 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 I get it. It sounds like what you're saying, like, or what I'm understanding is like in your default mode of life, when no one's cooking for you, your preference is just to go and get like the robotic Starbucks food and yeah. just kind of put it in your body and move on. But if somebody is going to take care of you the way that your mom took care of you, you'll jump at that opportunity because you really like that. Yeah. And I like, and it's not because I'm, it's not because I'm like, I want to be taken care of, mm-hmm. but it's like, it's, I, I. I appreciate the I, I I don't know I appreciate I appreciate the whole the theme of it and like mm-hmm. the idea that like I'm being welcomed to eat something someone made. Sure, and, you're and a gracious guest. Yeah, I guess so. But I want to ask you because like we, we kind of danced over a couple of things. Like we you talked about coming out, mm-hmm. um, that being like a rock, rocky period for yeah. you. And um, but I don't know if that relates to food at all. So we maybe don't have to go there. But no, we can. I mean, I was in college, so yeah. I was eating. Dining hall food. Mm-hmm. So that was, yeah. I mean, I ate like whatever. But it wasn't like you were turning to food for solace. No. Or, I mean, have you? I, I was maybe going to ask though about being gay and like you know a lot of gay men have struggle with like you know eating and exercise and wanting to be yeah. fit. I mean, was has that ever really been an, an issue for you, or have you always been able to sort of have a healthy attitude about food and eating? Yeah. Yeah, it was funny. I was actually with Ryan recently, Ryan O'Connell. And he said like you've never had. It doesn't seem like you've ever had issues with like food and like body you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but i i mean i have like when i when i before i came out i had a period where i was i was really depressed Mm -hmm. and i was in freshman year in college and i was eating i was eating really weird like i was eating vegetarian but i was just raw vegetable like i was on like a raw diet and i got really really thin okay and i went i remember going home and going to a swim meet at my prep school like my high school Mm -hmm. and to see like my coach and like some of the swimmers I swim with and my coach like pulled my mom aside and was like, is everything all right with Carrie? Cause I, and I didn't realize that I, but I think it was me. I think in that period I was, I was controlling and I was going through 
a lot of duress mm-hmm. and it was reflecting in what I was like. It almost felt like I was like punishing myself. That's see, that's really interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm trying to like unpack in my mind, like to eat raw vegetables. If, Cause it wasn't like, I was like, Oh, this is making, this is healthy. Right. And I didn't, I was 18 or mm-hmm. 19 and I wasn't, so it I wasn't about body image. It was about punishing yourself. You just said, right? maybe a little. Yeah. Like, I mean, I love, I love vegetables. Mm-hmm. I, f- I fucking love vegetables. Yeah, we don't mean to insult vegetables. And no, say that punishment I, to eat vegetables. I could eat like hummus, like veg, like ranch and pepper and celery and carrots, like all day every day. I fucking mm-hmm. love a crudite. Literally, bury me in a crudite. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm sure it's possible, especially love, in like San Francisco yeah, or something. Yeah, I love, I love my, you know, vegetables were a big part of my growing up. So I'm, I fucking, I'm down with the veggies, mm-hmm. but. In that period, it was like, I don't know what was happening to me. I, I think it was because my identity was, I didn't really know who I was. And I was really confused about my sexuality. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like, you know, I like, you know, I like dick. You know, that was like, <laughs> I'm going to eat vegetables I'm now. Vegetables. <laughs> you know, and it was like really, it was confusing. So I think the food thing was like, a, it was reflective of what was happening inside me. And this is before you came out. Though. Yeah. So did that, did it culminate in you coming out? And like when your mom's saying like, what's wrong, Carrie? And you're like, um, yeah, I, you know, I was, I came out when I was home for college and I, uh, yeah, I was, I was kind of withdrawn and my parents knew something was happening and then they asked me and I told them. But. So when things started to turn back better for you or life, got, yeah. did, did it correlate? I mean, did the food thing change around that time? Did you start eating like not just vegetables after yeah. that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't, I was, I was a swimmer, like I said, so mm-hmm. you can't, when you're in season, you can't, that was like, I wasn't swimming at that point in that season. So like, it's not sustainable. Just like, you have to have carbs. So yeah. Like it wasn't, it was like a brief, it was like a, it was like a few month period. It wasn't so, but, so, but but I'm also sober, so okay. I my addiction. You know, it's funny. A lot of my food when while I was drinking and using was <laughs> uh, hangover food or mm-hmm. like sustenance while I was drunk to like sober me up. So a lot of it was like shit food. Like right, I would eat. Chinese food all the time. I would eat not that Chinese food is shit, right, but yeah. like I would eat like sweet like fried sweet and sour chicken sure. all the time I the unhealthy eat. parts of chinese yeah, yeah the the yeah the not like anyway that you <laughs> want to do like multiple times a week and then i would eat bodega food i would eat right. like potato skin chips uh-huh. and like slim gin like i remember one time my friend came over when i was having like a particular gnarly journey with drinking and my room was just trashed mm-hmm. like I, it was horrifying and how old are you at this point in your life at that point, I was like 26 or something. Okay. Um, and she came over and she was like, okay, this is bad, but this is rock bottom. And she held up a, a foot long Slim Jim that was oh, just on the floor. Right. You know, so and that was like, <laughs> that was part, like food was part of my, my shame mm-hmm. spiral. Which, so would, which ties to what you were talking about earlier, where even with the vegetables, even though that wasn't a Slim Jim, it was like, you, you said it was self-punishment. Uh-huh. And so it feels like all of this was some sort of self-punishment. In a yeah. Way. Like I would go to like, when I was like, wait, sorry, is this too, is this, this is wonderful. No, oh, I would this go is, to this like, I'm doing this go, podcast. Would, this is like what lunch therapy is about. Yeah. There was a gas station when I lived in Williamsburg, right near my apartment. And I would, it was like my ritual every night I would get like tanked alone. And then I would walk over like a, a weeknight and I would walk over at like midnight and get more beer and then get like TGI Fridays, potato skin with chive, like 
potato chips. We just lost our TGI Friday sponsorship. Yeah. yeah well, no, yeah. support TGI. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I still do. Okay. Um, I mean, I got them because they're good. Yeah, they are. But good. I would just get like, like gas station food. Yeah. And that was my like sustenance. And I wouldn't, sometimes I wouldn't eat a lot during the day because I, I was hungover. Mm-hmm. So I would save my like feasting for like the night. Right. When it was, and it was always like shit food. So as you got sober and got healthy, was there um, a parallel story in terms of eating? Like did the yeah. food change for you too? I mean, I, I, it's funny, like I always, I had this perception of myself as like a healthy person, mm-hmm. which is like not true okay and when i moved to la especially like when i first got sober in new york i was still eating like i ate a i've recently given up candy mm-hmm. like try, tried to like i've still but like i ate I, i'm a very heavy candy person like i love candy i okay. love skittles i love fruity candy mm-hmm. and when i got sober it was that was part of my soothing because i was replacing because at night i was like withdrawing and like Especially in the first month, I was like detoxing off lots of shit. Were was, you at a facility or no? You... I couldn't afford it at okay. the time, and my insurance wouldn't cover it, so I had to like white knuckle. And wow, I'm in a program of recovery, so I had to like do that. And um, you know, it was suggested to me that I just eat candy at night. To, it was suggested just, by like a specialist or somebody. Oh, like... uh, just like someone that I like knew from uh, my recovery. And, okay, and they would they kind of were like. I would suggest eating like something sour mm-hmm. to take just to like stave off the urge. Sure. So I got, and I've always been a candy person, but I took it into overdrive mm-hmm. and I was eating like bags of Sour Patch every night or Skittles. Well, that makes me think about like um, extreme, you know, drinking, extreme mm-hmm. drug use and extreme candy. But, you, but it doesn't seem you would go to extremes with eating in the same way. But but it's the sweets. The sweets. Did, That's, yeah. I took that really far okay. into sobriety too. Like I was, you know, and and so I, I was still eating pretty similarly after I got sober. Because mm-hmm. that was eating then at that point was about comfort. Because right. I was, I felt so out of control still, even, when, even though I wasn't drinking. Mm-hmm. So I would just eat for like i would eat a lot of soup i would eat panera a lot like at work mm-hmm. a lot of salads like un- like you know salad like sad salads sad salads yeah um so yeah and then when i moved to la i started working out mm-hmm. more regularly um i think it's just, it's just you just feel healthier here right at least for me um not that you can't be healthy in new york but there was just something about the change that gave me more motivation to start like Eating a little better. I, f- I feel like it's so much easier to eat healthier in yeah. L.A. than it is in New York. Yeah. I mean, I lived in New York for eight. I mean, I, I grew up in New York, but then I lived there with Craig for right. eight years. And I would join a gym and I would try to go. And it would be like freezing cold in the winter. I'm like, I am not going to the gym today. You know, just and in L.A., it's like always pleasant, always uh-huh. nice. I can drive to the gym. I can get a little smoothie. You know, it's just easier to be healthy here. I yeah. Think. There's not much of a bird. Like New York makes it easy to be like, you don't have to go outside. Right. You know, especially in the winter, like you said, it's. I mean, it, there's there's a lot to love about New York, but there's some like it's hard. It's a hard place to live. Mm-hmm. Um, so that definitely influenced my eating. I'm curious because, like, as you talked about your sobriety, and and I appreciate you opening yeah, up about that. I'm, I'm whatever, but it makes me wonder about like like clearly for me, like food means something. Like whatever it means to me, like it's it's important to me. Yeah. 
and it and I, it just makes me wonder like with drinking and whatever addictions you were f- going like somehow like those things took on great meaning for you right mm-hmm. and like I don't know if I have a question here but I'm just sort of like exploring like how you know how that how you let go of something like that and how you shift like like can you talk maybe about the process of of sobriety and like yeah. what it was to transition from relying on drink and relying on drugs to to letting go of that yeah I mean I think I just came to I mean you know I I, I I've been trying for, I tried for a while to stop and I just could not get it under control. And Mm -hmm. I kept, I, you know, I was lying to myself a lot. I thought like I could just try drinking another kind of way or try not using, you know, other stuff Mm -hmm. and just doing one thing. And then it always came back. It always like, it was the same. It's for me, it was truly the definition of insanity. Like Mm -hmm. I just kept trying to do the same thing differently. Right. Always got the same result, which was just me being miserable. Yeah. Um, so you had to work on yourself to get to a place where you didn't need this. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of just got to a point where I didn't, I didn't recognize my life anymore and who I was. Like it was not the person I thought I was, and it was. So then at that point, I kind of had to. I had no choice because I, I think I, I was going down a path that I wouldn't be able to come back from. Yeah. So it's been interesting. Like this week, or this like past couple of weeks, I've just been like a little depressed. I don't know if it's like the end of summer. Probably. Um, just something kind of kicked in, and I find myself being a little nihilistic about food. Like I just now like I'll eat like a pastry, and I'll have like ice cream. And I just like because it's like summer's over. Like fuck it, I'm just gonna eat whatever. Yeah. And like I can definitely correlate that to this underlying depression that I'm feeling. You know. Yeah. And so it's kind of fascinating to me, like how the, like the inside of our minds and and our mental states impacts our behavior and. How mm-hmm. we feed ourselves and treat ourselves, and I mean, there is something maybe to like. I don't know if this is too biological, and I'm not a science person, but maybe there is something like we know autumn is coming, mm-hmm. and it's like the time when you're like, oh, winter's just around the. So you're like, bulk, <laughs> yeah. you start yeah. like fattening eating. myself up for winter. <laughs> no, I'm doing. The, I've been doing because I've 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 kind of this first week of work, I was sort of off my pattern, so I was like just eating whatever, mm-hmm. and I I've noticed that I was just eating like like yesterday I ate like bunch slight bunch of slices there's pizza at work so yeah. i ate a bunch of pizza and i ate bagels and i was just kind of like what oh, am yeah. i doing we you should know? say here that like writer's rooms are yeah. notoriously difficult oh. places to eat healthy or well yeah i mean how do you survive in a writer's room because you've been on a couple of shows now right even mm-hmm. heather's and now uh yeah i was on billy on the street, billy on the street. heather's and now the show um yeah i mean we it's always like the group consensus what you got if, if you're ordering food for the room or you know whatever um yeah, I, I when I'm in a writer's room, it's a lot of snacking, mm-hmm. a lot of, you know, I, I specifically, like, the second season of Heather's, I was like, I I, I didn't, because the person who was getting the food for us was like, what, does anyone have any special requests? And I was like, Skittles. <laughs> I felt really, like, You said about, it, like, softly enough, yeah. you hope they wouldn't hear you, and then they did. <laughs> and I would just put, like, there had these, like, styrofoam bowls, and I was just fill them all like several times of the day with yeah. skittles so it was like a lot of that going and with on. your ocd would you ever like organize them by color like do you eat no it's just like no actually though my i just my boyfriend this might be something to unpack my boyfriend just noticed that when i eat like burritos mm-hmm. i open the burrito up mm-hmm. and then eat from the inside really and then like kind of i eat like backwards why do you think you do that i don't know <laughs> do you eat any other foods like in such a pizza what do you do with pizza i just i eat the top first oh. and then i take i pull the this is a whole other level of lunch therapy i mean yeah. i feel like i need like bring in like a specialist what for... is what do you think that means i 
I really can't figure that one out. I mean, especially with the burrito. Oh, okay. Maybe you want to know what's inside. Like, it's like, you don't want to just put this into your mouth without yeah. like seeing like what's inside the burrito. So uh-huh. you want to like be able to control like what elements you're putting in at which moment. Yeah. Maybe it's also like the, with a burrito, especially I like to, I like some foods I like to eat slowly mm-hmm. and with a burrito, I like to maximize so like if I just putting it all at once, I yeah. want to know, like you said, I want to know like what's going on in there and I like to pick things out. And is that true of other foods that are encased like like a calzone? <sighs> Would you like tear the calzone open before you bit into a calzone? Maybe. Yeah. You want to know what's in the calzone. Yeah. I like to, I don't know what that says about me. I No, wh- it makes sense. You want to know what you're going yeah. to in, in put into your body. I had, this is a funny like food thing when I was, my parents always tell the story, but when I was like eighth grade and I was hormonal and my body was changing and I was just kind of going through moods. I was at a family, I think it was like a summer barbecue and I went into the kitchen and there was a blueberry pie just waiting on the stove. <laughs> and I, I just took one, I love the, the crust, the yeah. top layer. And I took one piece of that and I ate it. And yeah. then I looked down again and I'd eaten the entire le- top layer with the blueberry goo on the bottom of it. And I'd, I'd eaten the, I, I, like I blacked out and I <laughs> ate the whole, and then I didn't tell anyone. And I, I just left and walked home. Oh my God. And, the, and my family, my mom called the house and was like, did you leave? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> and then they, and then the kitchen, they were like, Oh, Carrie got to the blueberry. Have you ever seen the episode of different strokes where Kimberly has bulimia and, Arnold and Willis are concerned about it, so they do a stakeout in the kitchen and they leave an entire birthday cake on the counter. That's an ep- that's yeah. happened. To oh, it's an amazing! Oh I'll never forget it because when I was a kid, because then they're sitting and watching, and then she comes in and she kind of looks over her shoulder and nobody's there, and then she takes her hands and like digs them into the cake and shovels the whole cake into her mouth. And- I mean, I admire for that the time trying to address food disorders yes. but that is fucked up it was especially when i was they a kid watching her. that yeah but also i was like what is happening why yeah. why, why, why are, what is going on in this episode put a cake in with the person with the eating disorder like that's <laughs> fucked up um yeah that i actually i've talked about it that actually is a i feel like that moment is an early sign that i was going to have addiction Oh, because you couldn't help. It was a compulsion. Yeah. And yeah. I like and the secret and the shame of it and like kind of doing it like, mm-hmm. over my shoulder. The and, illicit thrill of it. Yeah. There was something like disordered about it. Mm-hmm. And I just it's like what we do when we're alone. But it was like doing something in bulk amount, unable to stop myself and then having shame about it and like retreating and like being alone. Wow. And I think that was an early sign of my. Like if someone from like a, a specialist saw that, they'd be like alcoholic. Yeah. What also makes me think a little bit about being gay. I don't know. And why. being gay. Yeah. I think there's something, there is something very gay about that. Well, but just in terms of like having a secret thing that you're doing, you know, like, I mean, especially before you're out of the closet to sort of like whatever behavior you're engaging in, whether you're meeting people or like beyond the internet, it's yeah. like this, like this, like secret covert uh-huh. behavior that I hope nobody sees this. And, you know, I had a lot of that. Yeah. I think, I think queer people are really like all LGBT people, I think are really good at um, compartmentalizing and, mm-hmm. and having the. Sorry, the double. That's the sriracha. Yeah, the double life. <laughs> we don't edit anything here, Great. so feel free to burp and Great. do it. Yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, I think there's like a performative, like 
there's one side of you that everyone sees, and then there's a secret side that only you see, and, mm-hmm. it's, and it's weird. And and there's shame attached to uh-huh. it, and it's like I don't, you know, it's like it's happening, and then you don't want anyone to know that happened. Yeah. I mean, I love the image of you walking away from the pie as if it didn't happen, and being like, okay, you know, and yeah. like that was, yeah, that I maybe that I think that is like some kind of queer. Mm-hmm experience also so yeah i mean i feel like for people who are listening who maybe are struggling with addiction and stuff i mean you're such an inspiration i mean you're doing no. great you are i mean look at your life you're doing fantastic Thank you. great boyfriend great job so i mean what was the real turning point for you was it going into aa was it um to get me sober well just like how like oh. you know, transitioning from this period of your life where like you're eating a footlong slim gym uh-huh. to like now being on this podcast i yeah. mean at the height of la Full circle so, um you know but like what was there like a moment for you like where you started to really get your shit together and be like i'm healthy now or did it was it gradual no i actually think moving to la like because i i think being in new york because my parents were still living in new jersey when i was in new york so i think i don't know there was something about um being in the city being in proximity to my parents i felt like i relied on them a lot Mm -hmm. for a lot of different kinds of support and I think emotional was the biggest one. And yeah. I knew that no matter how fucked up things got in New York, I could just hop on the train and like go home to mom and dad and like hide. And your mom would cook for you. Yeah, my mom yeah. would cook for me and yeah. do my laundry. And like I was definitely like very infantilized by it. And mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, I'm totally okay owning up to that. And I think moving here to a city that none of my family has any history in, mm-hmm. it's on the other side of the country. I was, I knew people here, but I was pretty much completely foreign you cut the umbilical cord yeah and i think i think it pushed me to not only like get my shit together about like budgeting and like learning how to like know understanding taxes more and like being god i still don't understand i mean i still don't but i get it a little more (laughs) and like knowing that like you know paying getting a car finally like i didn't drive for the first year which was a troll Mm -hmm. and you know you know paying for gas and like doing all this shit and like uh paying rent on my own and like Mm -hmm. doing stuff and it pushed me to be more independent. And then I could, I mean, I, yes, I I will eat Starbucks once, but like, I I also like started working out regularly. I joined a gym. I got, I got, so it's pushed me to be, I think being I think I've grown up a lot since well, it, it, the parallels the story I was telling about like learning how to cook for myself. I mean, cooking is just like a metaphor, I think for like of all the things you're describing too. like in both instances, we were both like becoming our own yeah. people in a way. You know? And you had, you were going through some trauma and, yeah. and I think that was a way to empower you and bring you up from the hole you were in. And I think yeah. it's and yours is doing taxes, which yeah. is great. I mean, I don't do, I don't do, I, do, I still don't know what the fuck, but like just being like, Oh, I should save this you know, W whatever. This receipt. Yeah, this receipt. I'm so bad. I'm really, truly No, I'm bad too. And like, I still have to have my dad like give me tips and help me. But like, I'm, but I, I, uh, before I would just not, I I would get like a receipt or something or like a bit and I'd be like, throw it away. And then like later I'd be like, oh shit, why did I not, you know what I mean? So now I like actually like keep things in a, you save your receipts? Well, in the past few months I've, I've put, I have bins under my bed with unopened envelopes and open envelopes and I have them all, and I mean, they're not organized, but like they're in there somewhere. This is stressing so. me out so much. Um, so we're reaching the end of this podcast. I can't believe oh. how quickly this went by. Yeah. But I end every episode. I don't know if you know this, but we start with what did you have for lunch? But we end with what are you going to have for dinner tonight? <gasps> oh, my God. I'm putting you on the spot because you didn't see this coming. Well, I'm going to a friend's birthday at 
and they're cooking at their house, so probably whatever. Oh, so you're going to go into this situation uh-huh. where you don't know what they're going to make? Yeah, but be really grateful and, and perky about it. Okay. Yeah. Do you have, like, a thing that you hope that they're making? I mean, so, I mean, it's Labor Day weekend. Maybe some kind of fish or summery, you know, airy food, like some kind of barbecue maybe right, like outdoorsy grilled veggies coleslaw uh-huh. if you showed up at a dinner party and the person came out of the kitchen carrying stacks of starbucks sandwiches would you be excited no <laughs> okay because <laughs> it'd be really easy to have you over I like, if i could do that yeah i'd be like <laughs> i'd be yeah i mean i would yeah i wouldn't be excited i'd be like this is this is this is what i do alone like, yeah yeah this is my private <laughs> yeah thing. Um, which is interesting now to think about that in terms of the larger conversation we just had of like illicit alone behavior, uh-huh. like eating the blueberry pie alone, uh-huh. eating the Starbucks alone. I mean, it's all connected. Yeah. Wow. We went, we went very deep here. We did. Um, well, we still have a couple more minutes, so I'm not going to let you go just yet, but because I was going to ask you, um, in terms of, no, I totally lost my train of thought, but something about food, cooking, going to a dinner party. Do you ever, so do you don't cook at all? I, I've recently, I've helped my boyfriend a few times when we cook dinner. For each oh other. yeah, you mentioned that. So is there um, is there something that you've enjoyed particularly making? I like soup. Yeah, I really so you like mentioned that soup yeah. and like making the broth and saving things and like putting you know adding salt and mm-hmm. different seasoning. I like the, I like the I like taste and seasoning. So I like applying that. I wonder if, like, maybe there is a cook somewhere in you that just hasn't emerged yet. Like, hearing as much as, like, we have today about, like, your personality, yeah. I wouldn't think it, like, impossible that you might take pleasure in cooking. No, I think I would. I, I think I'm a latent, maybe I'm a latent chef. Yeah, maybe. But. I mean, it's really hard. I think as you get older, it's, like, to learn those basics. It changes your routine enough where, like, you're getting the groceries. Yeah. And, and I think for a lot of people, it's really just, like, do I want to go through all this labor yeah. to make one little plate of food that I'm going to eat and then have to do all the dishes. Yeah. I think I'm, I'm maybe I just need to, I haven't gotten to that. Le- like I need to grow up in that level where I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I have to, cause a lot of it's also like, I just want to rush through stuff. Mm-hmm. I want the immediate, that's also the addict to me is I want the immediate payoff. Right. So that's why the Starbucks I'm getting it. Boom. It's hot. I'll just shove it in my mouth. Yeah. I, it tastes it tastes kind of good, so I'm like I'm good. What are your other Starbucks orders besides the sriracha barbecue <sighs> chicken sandwich? The sous vide egg bites in the morning. What are, are those? They're like it's like thick egg, like a <laughs> circle of like girth of. You egg really should and, not be doing advertising for Starbucks. I know um, <laughs> our new salesman like, Carrie O'Donnell. It's like bacon bits and like an egg. They I like, think I've seen it. Yeah. Is it square? No, it's round. Okay, it's like, it's like jelly. It looks like j- it's, but it's hot and it tastes good. Okay, it's like a little omelet. Do you get coffee at Starbucks? Oh yeah. And what's your coffee order there? Venti iced coffee, two shots of espresso, cinnamon powder, and half and half. You ask for the cinnamon powder, or do you apply it yourself? One well, drive-through, I, I have to get it. Cinnamon powder and half and half, uh-huh. and two shots of espresso and the ice. Co- wow, that's yeah. a lot of stuff. Yeah, I was for a very brief period. I was a Trenta. I was doing the Trenta journey, which was, it was like super big. Trenta is like the top. enormous. Uh-huh. But now you're venti. Yeah, that was giving me like that was making me jittery. But how did this order come about? I mean, did you always ask for two shots of espresso, of espresso in your iced coffee your whole life or did that no. recently? I think, I think like after I got sober, I started, uh. I needed the extra. So I was like, I'm not doing other stuff that will keep me up. So I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I need like to go to work in the morning. I need a little like, right. So I, uh, you know, I would get it and be like, Hey, hey <laughs> I can't go in the subway, you know? And I, 
I like that. It's like my one little like, you know, like unfortunately I smoke cigarettes, so it's yeah. like I have that vice. But the like boost of caffeine, the caffeine is like my one little like. I can still give myself that an extra vice, a little rush. Yeah, it's funny because like I've convinced myself like I don't want to rely on caffeine to get like I don't want to have the mental thing in my head like I need caffeine. Yeah, but the truth is I need caffeine. Oh, I totally. I'm addicted. So I drink a lot of coffee. Yeah, I don't tell myself that I need it because I don't want to be reliant. It's very confusing. Like I can feel the espresso when I take that first sip Mm -hmm. of the two shot espresso. I can feel it going into my sorry going into my brain. (laughs) Feel it like waking you up. Yeah. So it's like my little substitute for like other stuff. My new thing with coffee and this is so gross but we're ending the podcast. I'll just maybe people have turned off already. (laughs) It's like how it affects going to the bathroom. Like that's like it's like an awakening. I'm 40 years old but like it's only recently I'm like oh like this like helps with that. Oh, keeping you regular? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's like, it's great. <laughs> I, I mean, just, but it's like so obvious, but it's just like it never really occurred to me until like 40 years into my life. Like, same. Oh, this can help like you go to the bathroom. Yeah. I mean, I, I, if I'm, if I need like a little extra help and I'm like, God damn, I wish I'd, you know, and then I, and then I drink that coffee. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm good. You or you know, just so, keep drinking it until yeah. it happens. And then I was like, oh, okay, there's a good, but my biggest, pack. my biggest relation to the coffee with the bath is like my, I, pee for so frequently yeah, I'm, i have the bladder of like a thumb me too like totally. a thumbnail or something so yeah. it's very small like a prick and i just am constantly affected by what i drink so i drink lots of water mm-hmm. i'm always drinking i have, usually have like those giant fiji water bottles right like from 7-eleven and i'm constantly drinking water and then mixed with the coffee i'm just I bet you have to pee right now. I do. Okay. I well, this is a good moment yeah. to uh, say thank you so much no, for coming for on. Me. Yeah, this is really fantastic. For sure. All right. Talk thank to you. you. Soon. Bye.